Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Wow, you guys look great. Y'all wanna, y'all, did y'all enjoy communion this morning? Y'all wanna, y'all wanna just kind of continue on in communion? That, <clears throat> Joel just kind of took my message right away there. It was really good, I thought. But, uh, you know, we're, we're starting a new series called Unstuck. Is that up there somewhere? Unstuck. Does anybody know what it feels like to be stuck? Okay. My guess is there's probably some of us here today that feel stuck. And this, while we were, we just got in here, I looked up the word stuck. Here's what stuck means. Unable to move forward. Are you, are you feeling like I'm just, I'm just kind of in the muck, in the mire, and I can't go forward? I'm bogged down. I'm bound up. Uh, can I tell you, there's really, really good news. Jesus is the one who unsticks the stuck. And so he's going to meet us here today. And, you know, basically any area of your life, any controlling issue in your life that's not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ means you're stuck. So we're going to look at the story of a guy who had been stuck for 38 years. That's a long time. That's older than probably most of you in this room. And you know what happens when you've been stuck for 38 years? Your stuckness becomes your reality. You begin to think, there's just no hope. I can't change. I'm just, this is just the way it is. Can I tell you, friends, it's not the way it is. You know, Joel, Joel said it well a while ago. He was, he was quoting our king. He said, there's a thief that's come to, to rob us, to steal from us, kill us, and destroy us. He said, but I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest, to get you unstuck, to get you moving forward. And so that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. How many of you know that Jesus did not come to planet Earth to motivate lazy people? He didn't. He didn't come to planet Earth to make bad people into good citizens. He didn't. You know why he came? To set captives free, okay? And that's what we're gonna continue. We're gonna continue our freedom this morning. Unstuck, I'm looking forward to this series. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about what that looks like. At the end of the day, it means Jesus is Lord. And when Jesus walks into our situations, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Sometimes we make it way too difficult. What do I need to do? And I'm, I'm with Joel. I'm all about therapists and, and uh, whatnot, but... When Jesus comes in the room, everything changes. How many of you have ever seen the uh, Bob Newhart uh, psychologist video? Any, any of you ever seen that? I'll just tell you real quick what it's, I'll give it away. It's, it's just a little five minute deal, but Bob Newhart, some of you who are of my generation will know who that is. Just, uh, he actually had a, a show where he played the part of a psychiatrist or psychologist. And so he, on this little video, he has this practice and a lady walks in and he tells her, before we start, I wanna tell you a little bit about our billing. He said, it's, uh, it's only $5 for five minutes and anything over five minutes is actually free. So 
that was a pretty good deal. He said, but you know, only cash only, you know, he goes through the whole deal. And so um, he said, truth is, you probably won't even need five minutes in, in this. And so she says, well, she said, here's my problem. Or, you know, or actually he says, go. And she's like, go, what do you mean? What's your problem? She says, well, my problem is that I have a fear of being buried alive in a box. And he, he listens to her for a little bit. He said, so you're claustrophobic, whatnot. And she says, yeah. And uh, so it, it goes on for a while. And he says, well, listen, um, we're getting close to the five minutes. So uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, take note of these two words. So she said, shall I write them down? He said, well, most people can remember two words. He said, these two words, you need to listen to them. And when you and take them in deeply, and then when you leave this place, I want you to enact these things, incorporate these things in her life. He said, are you ready? She said, yeah. He says, stop it. And she goes, what? Stop it. And she says, and so she's very frustrated. He says, so would, do you have anything else? And so, you know, she just starts naming things. He goes, stop it, stop it, stop it. You know what made me think of this story? I'm reading about the paralytic guy or the invalid guy. He's been that way for 38 years. And at one point, Jesus looks at him. We'll get to the passage a little bit. And he looks at the guy and he says, stop sinning. I thought of Bob Newhart. Can I tell you there's a difference between Bob Newhart and Jesus Christ? <laughs> Some of you go, man, you're going a long way to get this one. But it's worth it. Bob Newhart had, had no power, no authority to enforce his instruction. How many of you tried to just stop something and you just felt like a failure? Shame came in on you, guilt came in on you, all those things. Can I tell you, when Jesus walks into the room and he says, stop it, he gives us the authority to stop it. Because it's Christ living in us and through us, the hope of glory that gives us the ability to be free. See, see, the issue is in our prison thinking, Jesus has come to set us free. He, he said, if the Son has set you free, you're really free. How many of you like me really free? Okay. Paul said it this way. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so that, that's where we're going. This, this morning's message is entitled, Do You Want to Get Well? Do you want to get well? And for some of you, you need to begin praying right now, Lord, give me the want to, to want to want to get well. Because you've been for 38 years, you're going to really relate to this guy. And the Lord is saying, listen, I'm going to give you freedom today that you've never experienced before in your life. And so I believe that, that uh, he wants to come in freedom. But let's, let's just dive right into this thing here in, in uh, John chapter five. And uh, if you have a copy of your scriptures, we're gonna be looking at that today. And I wanna start out with the setting. You know, Jesus comes into this setting. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. What happens in Jerusalem? It's where the temple is. It's where all... Holy spiritual activities have where sacrifices are going on. But it says that he comes for one of the Jewish festivals. 
okay? It says, and now there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, the house of mercy. Jesus comes into this setting and it says, it's surrounded by five covered colonnades and there was a great number of disabled people used to lie, used to lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. For, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters, and the first one into the water, uh, after each disturbance, would be cured from whatever disease they had. Okay, Probably a familiar story to, to many of us. But I want you to see a couple of things here. First of all, Jesus comes into the darkest, most needy places, and we all qualify. He comes in through the sheep gate to this big pool called Bethesda, the house of mercy. And this was a place where you have, uh, one commentator said that uh, there would probably be 300 of these paralyzed, blind, lame people just on a daily basis. He said, but when the festival season came, there would be as many as 3,000 people. You get the picture? 3,000 people that are lame, crippled, blind, hurting. And they're there, they're waiting for the waters to be stirred so the first ones in get healed, okay? What is the other part? It's also a place where you dip sheep. It's a place where shepherds hung out. And I tell you, that, that's the, 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 the low rent area of Jerusalem where the shepherds and the sheep and all of these disabled people hang out. I want you just for a moment, I want you to think about what that might've looked like. Think about what that might've sounded like. Think about what that might have smelled like, okay? And Jesus walks into that setting. That's the setting for the miracle. Can I tell you, I, the reason why I take a moment to say that is, it doesn't matter how messy you feel right now. We're a mess, right? And Jesus comes into our mess he doesn't come into the, the dressed up Sunday, got it all together, Steve. He comes into the everyday messy Steve's life and he wants to come into all of our lives. And so that's, that's the setting. Let's, let's continue on in uh, the next verses, pick up with verse five. It says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, Lying there, he learned that he had been in that condition for a long time. So he asked the man, do you want to get well? Do you truly long to be healed? That's what the Passion Translation says. Do you believe that this can become a reality in your life? And it says, it says the man replied to Jesus, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus looked at him and said to him, get up, 
One version says, awaken, arise. Come, come to your senses, awaken, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. Jesus comes into this setting and, and he, he looks at one man. I mean, there's 3,000 of these sick people around possibly. And he looks and he hones in on one individual and he has compassion upon that individual. And he talks to him really straight. You ever had a straight talk with Jesus? Kind of like we talk about come to Jesus meetings. Have you actually had a come to Jesus meeting with Jesus? And Jesus looks at the guy with compassion in his heart and he, and, he, and he says, you know what? Things can really be different for you. You can get unstuck. He says, do you want that? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? The whole idea is the idea of sozo. Do you, do you, do you want to be saved, healed, delivered, made whole, made to be who God created you to be? That's the idea that Jesus is asking this guy. And how did he respond? Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. You're better than an angel stirring the water. That's not what he said, is it? That'd have been good. What did he say? He began to do what many of us do who have been in a prolonged period with a malady, uh, whatever. We, we cannot even conceive that things could be any different than they are. You know what that's called? It's called a stronghold. It's this mindset. It's this house of thoughts that it, it believes that contrary to what God's will is, things can never change. And this is exactly where this man is. He starts making excuses. He says, well, you know, I try to get in and somebody gets in ahead of me. Have you, ever, have you ever done that with God? You begin to make excuses with God, why things can't shift, why things can't change. And the bottom line, it's because you've tried over and over and over and nothing has changed. You've tried to be more disciplined. You've tried to do whatever the latest, greatest Bob Newhart therapy is. And it just didn't work for you. And so Jesus comes into that situation and he says, he, he knows there's a cost at, with this because this man has lived his life this way and he, he was a beggar. His income would have come from that. His identity was in, oh yeah, that's the guy who is there by the pool of Bethesda. Well, oh yeah, I know that guy. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm asking you to shift. I'm, I'm asking you in essence to leave one way of living into a whole different way of living. I'm asking you to defect from this kingdom into this kingdom. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is changing the way you think, but it's also defecting from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. That's what Jesus is coming for. That's what he wants in us. You know, the, one of the problems is we want all of the power and the good stuff of the kingdom without submitting to the king. See, that's the real issue here. And so Jesus is talking to this man and he says, listen, no more excuses. 
get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, that, that's loaded. It requires a response. But can I tell you what? When Jesus requires a response, he always gives the grace for us to respond. You know, you know one, of, one of the words that's not real popular in Christian, Christianity today in Christian circles is the word obedience. Let's say that together. Obedience. obedience. You know, parents like that word every once in a while, but I, I, obedience is simply responding to what God said and doing it. And this man, he does it. He gets up, which he had not been able to do, and he picks up his mat and he walks off. Now you would think it, they'd been cheering in the streets, wouldn't you? That everybody would be going, yeah, the guy, the crippled guy, he, I mean, yeah, he got healed. There's not, not, not really what's going on here at all. Now, let me ask you a question before we, we look at what the response people, there's more going on in Jesus than just healing a disabled or paralytic man. How, how do I know that? Let me, let me give you a hint. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a very interesting similar story, not the same story, but it's a story about four good friends who have a buddy who is a paralytic. He's been a paralytic all his life. And they find out that Jesus is somewhere and they go to Jesus. They find out the house where Jesus is at and there's so many people there, kind of like the 3,000. There's so many people there that they have to get creative to get to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus loves it when we get creative because we're so hungry for him. We have to get to him. We're so in need of him. And so you remember the story, perhaps they find the house, they go up on top of the roof, they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower their buddy down to Jesus. I mean, the Bible's full of some great stories, huh? Can you crawl into that deal? Now, here's what happens. Jesus says to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's the interesting thing. Jesus had something else on his mind than anybody, everybody else in there. Everybody else is saying, they see a paralytic guy who is about to get healed. You know what Jesus had on his mind? Sins that needed to be forgiven. And so Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He's the only one in the room with more than paralysis on his mind. And, and so he's thinking sozo, saved, healed, delivered, free, made whole, and the Jews, the Jewish leaders, they, they say this. They say, no one has authority to forgive sins except God. You remember what Jesus said to him? He said, well, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your mat and walk? Now, that sounds real similar to what's going on in our story in John 5, doesn't it? See, I believe G Jesus in his visit with this guy at the Pool of Bethesda is having that same kind of uh, situation going on here. And he's, he's challenging our mental 
fog about God. You know what I mean? That, well, you know, of these two impossible things that nobody can do except God, we're squabbling about that. And, and, and Jesus goes, man, he got, he got look, rise up and walk. Sins are forgiven. Nobody can do either one of those. Yeah, you got it. I'm God. But I'm gonna give you something even more radical than that. The day is coming shortly when you guys are gonna do the stuff yourselves. You're gonna be able to say, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. I mean, he, that's how, what he led with. Right after the resurrection in John 20, he walks right through the room, right into the room, locked doors, he's in there, and what does he say? Okay, peace, y'all chill, relax. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you to do the same kind of stuff I'm doing. And when you go, he gives them the Holy Spirit, they receive the Holy Spirit, and he says, here's your mission. Go tell people about my forgiveness. You do that by the way you forgive them and you release them. Go back and read it. It's a very interesting deal. He's saying you're gonna have authority to do things you never could do before because it's in Jesus' name and because of what Jesus did at the cross, the resurrection, his enthronement, and then the pouring out of his spirit so that he lives in and through us. In John 14, 12, he says, he says it this way. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they'll do even greater works because I have gone to the Father, because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will live in you and through you. See, this is more than just a how do we get unstuck message. How do we get everyone unstuck? How do we become conduits of God's love, his grace, his power, his kingdom. And so Jesus goes that way with him. And, and let, let's go back now into the, the next portion to see kind of a split screen if you can. Here's Jesus, loving, compassionate, sees this guy. And you would think the world would be cheering, but here's why they're not cheering. We'll pick up in verse um, Nine, the end of verse nine, it says, the day on which all this took place was the Sabbath. Mm. Already feels bad, doesn't it? And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, man, let's celebrate, that is awesome. No, they didn't say that. They said, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thinking, how absurd can you get? Can I tell you, that's what religion does? Religion's more concerned about policies than it is people. It's more concerned about procedures than it is people. It's more concerned about programs than it is people. I can't think any more P words, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really kind of nauseating, isn't it? And so the man replies, he replied, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who was this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? 
Man, I had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And I'll tell you, there are people every day that are having God encounters and they have no idea who the man was that encountered them. Think about your own life. The times that God in his love and his mercy and his grace, he encountered you and you were clueless. See, instead of celebrating, rejoicing and all of that, these guys, as I put on the title of their they're religion picks, fusses, fights, and condemns. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. I don't know that the, the man said this, the guy who'd been healed, but if I'd have been that guy, probably at, well after the thought, you know, the good thoughts always come after the event, right? But wouldn't it have been great if he'd have said, hey, you know, guys, I hear what you're saying and I understand all about the rules and all that. You know, there were like 39 tasks you could not do on the Sabbath. I, I get all those. But you know, I've been hanging at this pool for over 30 years you guys ain't done jack squat for me. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? But this guy that I don't even know, he comes in and he says, do you want to get well? And I, I okay. And I got up. He said, take your mat, get out of here. And I, you know, wouldn't that have been great if he'd have said that? <laughs> Look at the difference between relationship, authority, revelation, and religion. Religion has a look to it, has a smell to it too, but it's nothing like Jesus. See, when Jesus walks into our room, into our lives, into our darkness, boom, everything changes. It's, it's a one-step procedure. You know, all of their policies, it's a one-step policy, Jesus. Okay, I don't think you're, you're getting it yet. See, in those days in Rome, the thing you would hear all on the streets was this. Caesar is Lord, right? That's not original to the church, the Jesus is Lord thing. But you know where it became original and real? is when they encountered the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, God himself from heaven coming into their situation and they said, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of any problem that we have. See, religion can never fulfill the things that it promises. But Jesus always overfulfills. Joel said it earlier today, you know, overflowing. He gives us not just life, but so much life that it sloshes over on other people. And they get the emanation, the overflow of Jesus. You know, isn't that a great definition of Christians? People who slosh Jesus juice all over people. <laughs> you know, isn't that good? You know, we're just, just so full of him that we just kind of get others soaked and drenched in him. And so, so that's what's going on in, 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 this, in this scenario. You know, I, I don't know about you. I don't enjoy hanging around people who won't celebrate a guy who's been crippled or a guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years. And, and furthermore, I don't want to be that type of person. 
who's always looking in judgment. You know, about uh, 10 days ago, I had the honor of baptizing my niece. And uh, she uh, has had a really, really, really tragic life. If you, if you look at her 19 years uh, on earth, the things that she's seen, experiences, the traumas that she's endured. And, and whenever I received the call that she had asked for me to baptize her, I just scratched my head and I thought, man, I, 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 I don't understand that at all. And so we began dialoguing for a number of days. Incredible, incredible thing. Man, her eyes were just clear. And afterwards, I asked her a question. I said, actually, a week later, I called on her, checked on her. I said, I said, why did you ask me to baptize you? You know what she said? She said, because I knew you are real. You know, can I interpret that for you? That means, translation means, because I know that you love me and believe in me and are not gonna judge me. Can I tell you, there's one who who always will love you, believes in you and will never judge you. And his name is Jesus. I promise you that. Let's look at the last part here. The... um, Final verses, verse 14. I'm gonna throw verse eight in there too. This is the response to Jesus. In verse eight, we read this just a second ago. Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and he said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning. That's the Bob Newhart line. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Some of you right now are are kind of twitching a little bit. I can see you. You're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, stop sinning or something worse gonna happen to me. Can I tell you what he's not saying? This is what religion says. If you don't stop sinning, God's gonna do something to your finances God's gonna do something to your children. God's gonna do something to, are you with me? All the, hey, listen, that's that's what's gonna happen. If you don't stop sinning, something worse is gonna come upon you. Can I say that's not what Jesus was saying to him? At all. See, when we pick up our mat to follow Jesus, you know what we're doing? The reason he asked him to take his mat is he's saying, I don't want you to return back to that same spot again, ever again. It's a, it's a whole new life. You, you, you take your mat, people are gonna see you. They're gonna remember you, but they're gonna go, wait a minute, that guy's walking. He's, he's following somebody different. He's not, he's, not the, he's not the invalid at the pool. It's not his identity. His identity is now, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. All of those areas that I, these issues, uh, these controlling issues of his life had shifted because he had a new controller of his life. His name was Jesus. Now, what does that passage mean? Stop sinning. Everybody got that? I think we can get that, okay? Stop missing the mark. Let's say it that way. Sin is missing the mark. What's Jesus saying to him? I have 
such incredible purpose for your life, but you're missing the mark. Stop it. I want you to be all that you can possibly be, all that you were created for. I want you to see the restoration to all that I created for you. I want you to be reconnected to your source of life. I want you to know what an abiding relationship is, not just a one-time miracle that displays the power of the kingdom. I want you to know the king. So what's, what's happening here? He, he says to him, following that, okay, all right, stop sinning. I get it. I'll, I'll quit doing that. But can, it, can I tell you, the stop sinning can sound a lot like religion if you don't get the heart of it. So he says the next thing, which I think is profound, he says, something worse could happen to you. You know what I think Jesus is saying? I think he's saying, listen, the worst thing that could possibly happen to any of us is to go through life to receive the blessings of the kingdom of God, to receive all the things of God, but to never know the king, to never submit to the king as king of kings and Lord of lords. And I just wanna say to you today, Jesus is here to meet you in whatever needs you have. He really is. You know, there, there are some here, I, I loved how we did communion. There are some here that you, you are experiencing some of those um, symptoms that Joel spoke of with the, the neck and the kidneys and the, and, uh, the, the brain trauma and brain. And when he said that, I heard brain fog. And, and you're, you're, can I tell you, Jesus wants to invade your world today. He does. There are some of you that have had those suicidal thoughts, that you, you've had uh, um, addictions, alcohol, drugs, pornography. I mean, I, I could just name, but here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for us to just take some time, just a couple of minutes, just to sit before the Lord and to ask this question, Lord Jesus, where do you want to be Lord and King in my life that you're not? Where do I need to get well? Where do I need for things to shift and change so that I'm no longer stuck, but I'm really moving forward with you? Ask the Lord what that is. For some of you, it could be just simply pride. Can I tell you, there's nothing simple about pride. It's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. Pride is that place in us that says, I, I can do this. I'm an American. I'm a Texan American. I can do this. The scripture says that God opposes our pride, but he gives grace to the humble. What, what does that look like? I believe it starts out by saying, Lord, come, come Holy Spirit. And in the kindness of Jesus, release repentance in this room. The ability to see things your way, the ability to change our minds, the grace to defect from our kingdoms of darkness into your kingdom of light. So 
Lord, I just ask in the next few minutes, you would just put your finger on the area that you are working in, both to will and to do for your good pleasure, that we would experience freedom this morning. So let's just take a few moments to just wait on the Lord and just ask Him, Lord, what are you doing? Fresh hope, fresh belief. Father, I pray for the release of a spirit of repentance that we would see that in Jesus' kindness, He's leading us to repentance, to change our ways, to defect from darkness into light. What's the Lord saying to you right now? If you're here this morning and the Lord says, it's time for your pride to come down and for you to say yes to Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, I want you to simply say that, Lord Jesus, I give you my life and I make you Lord of my life right now. anyone who had just prayed that simple prayer. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart and soul. I'm going to live for you alone, Jesus. You're my Lord. Why don't you lift your hand? Lord, we just release your healing virtue, God, over physical bodies right now. Father, we renounce addictions, We just say, pornography, you are not Lord. Jesus is Lord. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I will give glory in my body. Maybe it's fear. Jesus' perfect fear cast out. Perfect love cast out all fear, Lord. I pray you would soak us in your love. Is 
Let's just continue as, as the worship team leads us in worship and then just right where you're at, just do business with Jesus. If you've come with somebody today and, and the Lord has spoken to you in a particular area and you feel comfortable, you said yes to Jesus, share that with them and they can partner with you in agreement. That's what the church is here for. We are the embodiment of Christ. And we encourage one another, amen, in our journey. Amen, let's worship the Lord.